Well, it's good to be with you again tonight, and I want to thank Pastor Jeff for trusting me not to run you off, (laughs) trusting me to speak God's truth that he has spoken to me. We're on assignment tonight, all of us, and there's something important that we're going to do at the end of the service. So I'm going to ask you, if you can, not to leave. When you realize my sermon's over, it's not time to go to the Taco Bell. Okay, it's time to hang, hang tight because we have something that we're going to do that's going to change the world around us. I want to introduce my high school bride of over 44 years, Rochelle, who will be speaking to us at the end of the service. And of those 44 years, 37 of them have been in full-time ministry. Back in April, I began the process that I go through in preparing a deep sermon series that I was going to do in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is my favorite book in the Old Testament because it is a treasure chest of powerful truths and lessons on how to lead well. And so I was going to take each chapter of that book and do a series on it until two weeks prior to kicking off the series, early in the morning, the Holy Spirit spoke very clearly to me, very directly to me, that God was calling an audible, and that everything that I had prepared would not be used. (laughs) That the Father had some things on his heart that he needed his church to understand. He said that, Nehemiah would no longer be the canvas of this extensive series, but now would become the backdrop to some things, four key things that God needed his church to understand in the hour that we are in. Now, I'm also wearing this bright, colorful shirt so that you'll pay attention to me. For the rest of our time that we have together, let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, the powerful, strong name of Jesus. And I bind every distraction right now in the name of Jesus. And I lose a desire to hear what the Spirit of the living God is saying to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the conversation is continuing about protecting the borders of America, and yes, about building walls. That is ongoing. But what's on the Father's heart is that he needs his church to understand that unless the spiritual walls of this nation are fixed, we're blowing in the wind. What happens when you blow into the wind? It blows back at you. It doesn't change direction because you blew into the wind. God needs his church. We hear this all the time, but I'm going to say it until we do it. He needs his church to wake up. To wake up and understand that we've got to fix the spiritual walls of the nation. That is of great importance. We need to also understand is the church, now here comes the rub. Hold your rocks for at least five seconds. 
It's not who you elect. It's not their responsibility. It's our responsibility. And if we'll take our responsibility, then the right people will get in the right places. Now, I have a politician in my church, and he understands this fully, completely. That it's not about that. It's about the church doing what it's supposed to do to rebuild the spiritual walls of this nation. It's the church's responsibility. I tell people all the time, if the church would take its responsibility seriously and start doing it, the people you've been wanting to get in office would start getting in office. It's about building the spiritual walls of the nation. Here's the way I like to say it. We need to fix and rebuild those walls. That's what we need to do. We've got to rebuild the walls. I believe... With all of my heart, that we'll see God's grace extended to this nation once again, as it was to Nehemiah in his time, to see the walls of this nation, the spiritual walls of this nation, become strong again if, here it comes, if the church repents and repents in behalf of this nation. And I'm talking about true repentance. Not a repentance and then go do what you did yesterday again after you've repented. We'll cover that in a moment. True repentance. If the church will earnestly pray, not pray, earnestly pray. When was the last time you pulled an all-nighter? Anybody with me? Earnestly pray. And if the church will begin to walk humbly before God and before each other. Oh boy. That was free too. Walking humbly with each other. And let me add a parenthesis there. What happened to fasting? We won't change, but we won't fast. Fasting is walking humbly before God. What happened with that? Here's what I see. I see but a trace of the spiritual walls, the bold, strong walls, just a trace of the walls that I saw when I came to Christ in the 80s, early 80s. I see but a trace of that strength of spiritual walls that I saw in the 90s. Church, it can be that way again, but we got to be the church. And we got to take hold of our responsibility and we got to start doing what's necessary to rebuild, to strengthen and fix the spiritual walls of this nation. It's our responsibility, church. You're the church. I'm the church. This is just a building. I get people mad at me because I say buildings are just tools. We're the church. And it's the church's responsibility. Now, let's get into my sermon for tonight. The book of Nehemiah begins in the year 444 B.C. Now, I do not have the time to develop who Nehemiah is. I'm giving you a small section of a series that I completed and did in our church that we have put the call out to our church 
NEC, as we like to call our church, North Elevation Church, put the call out that it's your responsibility, NEC, to help fix the walls of this nation, the spiritual walls. Now, before I read the first four verses, at the beginning of Nehemiah, I want to say this. Every time I read these four verses, it wrecks me. What do you mean by it wrecks you? It stops me in my tracks and brings conviction to me. So I want you to open your heart and listen carefully to the opening four verses of Nehemiah. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeli. Now it happened in the month of Kisla, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who have survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. Verse 3, and they said to me, the remnant there is the province, in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. Sound familiar? No? Great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. Verse 4, the wreck me verse. Listen carefully. As soon as I heard these words, as soon as I heard these words, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. How many days did it take before he responded to the information he got? Immediately. That wrecks me every time I read that because I think of how many times that I said, oh, my gosh, and then said, oh, but I got to go do this. Oh, my gosh, but, you know, I ain't got time for that. I got 14 other things on my agenda. America's just not that important right now. Come on. Said as soon as he heard this information, it says that he sat down and wept and mourned for days and continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Stay with me. I'm going to drill down here in just a moment. Now, Andy Stanley said this. I love what he said. He said, Nehemiah's heart was broken. He paid attention to his broken heart. How many times are we broken about something, but then, oh, but I haven't got time to, I've got other things I've got to do. I don't have time to let the brokenness that the Holy Spirit has just brought to me about this to spend any time on my face before God right now. We have got to take back our lives and our calendars. The enemy has convinced us that so many things are way more important than being broken over a nation that's in need of a church to wake up. I have two questions. What does your heart break for today? Is America even close? Or have we just become desensitized already 
with all that's going on and it don't bother us anymore. We don't even think about it. I can't be touched by it. I can't take you where I was three months ago, four months ago now. I was in a meeting, invited to a meeting. Besides pastoring, I've been chairman of the planning and zoning, vice chairman in two different cities. I belong to service clubs. I'm very active in a community. You get to know a lot of people, and then you get invited to something. People that are in the know. As I sat and listened, I broke in that meeting under the weight of the truth of what's going on. And I didn't have time to go to my next appointment. The only time I had that was important in front of me was to pray and seek God. Church, we got to get back to that. We got to get back to that. But I work. I know you do. I used to work in the marketplace and I got super creative. <laughs> you can. You can stop for a moment. Nobody knows what you're doing, and you can go into intercession over something. I don't have time to develop all that. I'm getting off track. Stay with me. Question number two. When was the last time you were stopped in your tracks about America's condition? I mean, stopped in your tracks. You couldn't move until you addressed it. You begin to intercede. You begin to repent in behalf of what you heard for this nation. Maybe for the church because the church isn't doing what it's supposed to do. You're earnestly praying. You're being humble before God and repenting for what you haven't done. I mean, you have been stopped in your tracks because of the condition of the nation. Are we concerned? Then we need to be doing something about it other than saying, I am concerned. We need to be repenting. We need to be earnestly praying. We need to be walking humbly before God. And we need to be fasting in behalf of this nation. And I know some of you have medical conditions. If you'll spend some time with me, I'll give you some creative ideas how to fast, even in your condition. Some of you just need to give up Dr. Pepper for a day. That'd be big for you. I say that because i got Dr. Pepper drinkers all around me. I'm going to give you a pen truth. I've got a couple of them tonight. Pen truths are revelations that I have received in my 37 years of ministry or a truth that God has, has taught me through lessons, and mis mistakes, or different things. And sometimes it's just I came to a place that I know this is the truth. And here's one of them tonight. Change happens when people are authentically broken and earnestly repent, earnestly pray, earnestly walk with humility with fasting. That's a truth. And we, the church, should be known by that. I probably ought to go grab my Bible and say, you know what? We have the seeds of renewal within us. Question is, are we speaking the truth, the real truth? Are we defending the truth? Are we living the truth? If we are, we are going to repent. 
and we're going to repent in behalf of this nation. We are going to earnestly pray. We are going to walk humbly before God and before each other, and we are going to fast, if need be, day and night until we see change. A call is going out by the Holy Spirit. And what's interesting is, for me, is that I don't seek to go speak anywhere. I'm just hunkered down, doing what God's telling me to do where I'm at, and focus on what God's telling me to do. And I get a phone call from Pastor Jeff. I get another phone call from another pastor. And I already know what God wants me to speak. He said, I've given you a word to the church, and you better speak it. We're going to look at Nehemiah's prayer. Now, we're going to focus on one piece of it. But this is a very powerful prayer. It's got so much meat within it. I could spend weeks on this one prayer, dissecting it and teaching on different parts of this prayer, things, truths that we need. But I'm going to read the whole prayer, and then we're going to back up and look at one part of it. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 5. Now, Nehemiah's been praying night and day. It wrecked him the moment he heard it. He immediately sat down and began to mourn. Verse 5, and I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and what? Night? We have got to grow in our prayer life. Come on. Day and night. For the people of who? Israel. How much prayer are we putting forth for the people of America? Don't get my wife started. (laughs) She's an intercessor. America is important to her. Do you love your country? Do you love the freedom God has given us? We better wake up and start praying and and, and expanding and growing in our prayer life. Day and night, and here, listen to this. For the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you, even I, my father's house, have sinned, and we have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. That's why I made my statement about truth. Are we speaking truth, the real truth? Are we defending the truth? But the bigger question is, are we living the truth? He's repenting for that. Verse 8, remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the people, peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to a place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. Verse 10, they are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Verse 11, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and 
to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and to give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was the cupbearer to the king. I want to back up to the beginning of the prayer. What happens at the beginning of the prayer? First and foremost, he worships God. Second, he repents. Openly repents for the sin of the nation and for the sin of himself and his own family. It is time that the church walk in true repentance. That we just don't come to the altar, come down here and repent. And two days later, we're back doing the same thing, thinking the same way, saying the same things. And we're not changed and things will not change. True repentance means I turn my back and I go the other way and I don't come back here. We have got to repent as the church for allowing so much, (laughs) and there's a lot, and we need to repent in behalf of this nation. Why? Because we're a part of this nation. And then we don't stop there. Then we need to repent in our own lives, our own families. It starts with repentance. If we're going to repair and rebuild the spiritual walls of this nation, it must begin on the floor of repentance. That's where it's got to begin. Oh, bummer. I thought we were going to get a speaker tonight. It was going to be fun and exciting. Repentance. Defined by the Dictionary of Bible Themes. I love what it says here. A change of mind. That would be a novel idea, wouldn't it? Change of mind. A change of mind leading to a change of action. It involves a sincere turning from sin to serve God. At points, Scripture refers to God changing His plan or intentions in response to human repentance. If you're not sensing that the church needs to start repenting and repenting on behalf of this nation because of what we continue to do, how long do you think God's going to hold his hand back? I believe that we're going to see the same extended mercy and grace that Nehemiah saw in this nation if we repent and earnestly pray and humbly walk before God, and then we too will see God move his hand in a whole different direction than the direction he was going to go. Oh, but we're America. That'll happen anyway. Hmm. God's prophets preached repentance. I could go through the entire New Testament about that, but since my whole series was supposed to be about Nehemiah and God changed it, he did let me, allow me to keep a few scriptures. Jeremiah 25, 4 says, you have neither listened nor inclined your ears to hear, although the Lord persistently sent to you all his servants, the prophets saying, turn now, every one of you 
from his evil way and evil deeds and dwell upon the land that the Lord has given you and your fathers from old and forever. Do not go after other gods to serve and worship them. God keeps coming in with these words, coming in with these words, coming in with these words. When are we going to listen? And what did it say in the Bible theme? Definition of repentance, a change of action. You're going to shift and start doing things differently. We have a great commission, church, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Great commission. The gospel of repentance. We forget that. A gospel that brings people to repentance so they can know the grace and mercy of God and know salvation, correct? We love it when someone's repenting and I'm not repenting. How about this scene? You're leading somebody through the Lord and you say, just a moment. Before you pray with me to receive Christ, I need to repent of a few things. I bet that'd get their attention. Might set a standard for them of how they should live their life. It's just an idea. Luke 24, verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day, rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Here's what I read. I'm not changing the scriptures. I'm not going to put things in to work. Somebody else say, oh, you just took everything out of context and messed it up. Just, just hear me. This is what I hear in my heart when I read that verse of scripture. Corey, yes, take the message to the nations, but it needs to begin with you first. It needs to begin with you first. One week into the shift, the audible that God called on this sermon, I was like, I want to go back to the original series I was doing. Because I spent a lot of time on my face. Because of the condition of this nation and what it's going to take to turn things around begins in the Father's house. Scripture proves and has been very consistent about the importance of repentance. But it's a word we like to push aside. Repentance. Well, I just am who I am, and you're just going to have to live with it. I've heard those words come out of my mouth a long time ago. If I want this nation to change, I've got to stop saying that. And I've got to start changing. And stop making excuses. Ezekiel 18, therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, declares the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions, lest iniquity be your ruin. 
Cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. I love the way that puts that. Whose responsibility is it for the change? Me. Well, so-and-so didn't disciple me correctly. That's a good one, but it don't count. My question is, what happened to your personal relationship with Christ? Is your relationship through the person discipling you, or do you have a personal relationship with Christ? This is good stuff over here, but you better have a personal relationship with Christ. And you need to be making sure that's growing. And this will become even more beneficial. People hate it when they want to do discipleship with me, and I find out they don't have a regular rhythm and routine to their devotional life. They're like, well, I, I just wanted you to, I didn't know I was going to, I said, well, if you want to spend time with me, that's, that comes first. We're going to get that right, and then we're going to go this direction. We've got to start discipling properly. That was free. That wasn't even in my sermon notes. Pent truth number two, genuine repentance produces a change in the way we live, even in the way we think. Even in the way we think. If you think everything's okay, wrong thinking. (laughs) I'm not going to be burdened and worried and in the sin of worry, but I'm going to wake up with my mind alert to what's going on and respond when the Holy Spirit says, this here's got to change. This is not good. And I'm going to lay this on you. And when it breaks my heart, I need to respond. Instead of pushing it away because my agenda is too full. As my wife comes, let me, I've penned my final statement for tonight. Because as I prayed for Turning Point Church, most of you don't know how important this church is to my wife and I. Pastor Jeff met with me when he didn't know me. And I'd been in ministry already for about 23 years when I met with him and I'm going to go plant a church. I wish some of you would come talk me out of that. All those years ago. And Pastor Jeff had me in his office, and all he did was love on me, encourage me, and build me up and tell me I can do this. You are very important to us. This church, community of faith, is very important to us. I feel it's a high honor that God is allowing me to speak what he has spoken to me for the church that you get to hear it second. (laughs) Because we speak this because we love God first. We love the oversight that Pastor Jeff has given into our lives because he's one of our overseers. And we love this community of faith. So listen carefully to my final statement that I have penned tonight. Nehemiah prayed for himself and his nation. 
and even confessed the sins of the forefathers who had brought destruction to Jerusalem. He said he prayed night and day. The burden for his city was obvious. The burden for his nation was obvious. He was a desperate man seeking the Lord. How desperate must the situation become before we get serious about praying for our nation? What really has to happen before the church is going to start praying? And I'm just going to say this. We got to all wake up and we don't have jobs. Because it's all flipped and something's taken over. And now you're not making any decisions. Someone's taken over what you have. You no longer own your business. It went to somewhere else. I'm giving you worst case scenario, but is that what it's going to take for us to wake up? He just heard what was going on. He hadn't even seen it yet. And he prayed night and day and he mourned and he wept. He was broken over just the information. It's all around us so we can see it. We can taste it. We can hear it. But what are we doing about it other than complaining? Come on. And people ask me all the time, well, pastor, how do you, how do you pray for repentance? How do you really, how, how do I do this? And, and, well, you're fixing to find out because the real power is about to walk up here. So I'm going to ask you to stand if you're able. I know some of you cannot. And now I'm going to stretch your faith. We are past COVID, but if you have a problem, I understand. But as a community of faith, I'm going to ask you to go across the aisles and join hands with people all around this sanctuary, the people next to you. And let's get in agreement with Pastor Rochelle. And oh yes, we do believe in women being pastors. Pastor Rochelle, as she prays for this nation and for us. Almighty God of heaven and earth, you are creator God, you are sovereign Lord, and there is nothing or no one greater than you. You are almighty God. You are our creator. You are our provider. You are everything that we need. You are our savior, our healer, our deliverer. You are our Lord. And we are nothing without you. We can do nothing without you, oh God. Jesus, we exalt your name this night. The name above all names. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord of all. Oh Lord, we as a body, we as representatives of your church stand in the gap tonight for this nation. We stand in the gap tonight for our families, for our cities, for the states and the nation. Oh Lord, we stand in the gap and we pray second Chronicles seven fourteen. 
if you said, Lord, if my people, which are called by my name, my people, that's us, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Oh, Lord, we need you to heal our land. Oh, God, we need America to be healed. Oh, Lord, we need America to be delivered from evil. Oh, God, we need you. Oh, Lord, and we pray and we ask your forgiveness. Oh, Lord, for the sins of this nation. We ask for forgiveness for the shedding of innocent blood through the evil sin of abortion. Oh, Lord, deliver us, oh, God, from this evil. Oh, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us from every sexual sin in this nation, and there are many. Forgive us of the destruction. Forgive us of the immoralities. Forgive us, Lord, of the wickedness and the witchcraft and the drug addictions and all of the the greed and violence and destruction across this land. Forgive us, O Lord, and heal our land. But Lord, most of all, I ask that you would forgive us of the spirit of idolatry. Forgive us of idolatry, O oh God, because we as a nation have put other things before you. Anything that we put before you is an idol, and it is idolatry. So, Lord, we ask you to forgive us of idolatry, and we cast down these idols. We cast down the idols. We cast down the idols of materialism and money and greed and all of these things that weigh us down. Oh, Lord, forgive us and help us as a nation to return to the God of our fathers, to return to the principles and values, the Judeo-Christian ethics that this nation was founded upon. Oh, Lord, that we may return, oh, God, to you and that you would truly be Lord of our nation. And God, we trust. We are a nation a nation founded upon the word of God. We are founded upon your word, O Lord. And you made a covenant with those that landed on Plymouth Rock. Lord, they prayed. The first thing they did is prayed. They knelt and prayed on the shores. And they made a covenant with you for this nation. And Lord, I thank you that you are a covenant-keeping God, Lord, and that you do hear our prayers. You hear your people when we pray because you are a loving, faithful, and merciful God. And we thank you for your mercy, oh God. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your love, oh Lord. And as we stand in the gap tonight, we thank you that you are healing America, that you are saving America, that you are overturning and rooting out the corruption and the evil, and this nation will be saved and will return to God. And we declare revival and a great awakening 
happening across this land that America will once again be a godly Christian nation. We declare and decree it tonight in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen and amen.